Good morning, Chair City Church. So glad you're here. Summer's going great. We are in week two of our current teaching series, I Need a Breakthrough. Last week was a great kickoff. Today, man, I don't know, there's three really good messages in this series, but there's something about today. Uh, I, I think you'll get to what I'm saying. Last week, we discovered that, he, that the Apostle Paul, even the Apostle Paul needed a breakthrough, meaning even the Apostle Paul realized God had more for him, huh? You see, many times we struggle with our, our view of God. It's a bit distorted from, you know, from who he really is and the way we see him. Uh, years ago, there's a classic movie, I guess it could be found under a Christmas movie called A Christmas Story. Do you remember that? Anybody remember A Christmas Story? And really, the premise of the movie is about a young boy and, and, and what he wants, the one gift he really wants for Christmas. Let's watch a clip from the movie. Ralphie, what would you like for Christmas? Horrified, I heard myself blurted out. I want an official Red Rider Carbon Action 200 Wayne's Ball Arrive. No, shoot your eye out. Oh, no, it was the classic mother BB gun block. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> So we view God somewhat in that way. It's God's role to deprive us, to hold back from us, to limit us from our fun and our freedom and what we really think and know is best, right? So let's watch another clip to see how uh, this story sort of unfolds. Yeah, did you get everything you wanted? Almost. Almost, huh? Well, that's, that's, that's life. Well, there's always next Christmas. Hey, that's so funny. What's that over there behind the desk? Where? Oh, behind the desk, against the wall over there. Why don't you go check it out? Santa Claus So, I want you, see, the father all along knew what he had for his child, right? I want you to get this. God has more for us. It's just so important that that, that truth resonates in you as God intends it to. He has more for you, more for you in your marriage, right? I want you to get this today, right? There's some things for you that you could apply to your marriage today that we'll be going back and forth on in relationships. He has more for you in your career. He has more for you in your character. He has more for you in your relationship with him. God has more for you because he's the author of more. God is the author of breakthrough, and that's what breakthroughs are about, more of God in the life he's called us to. 
Now, last week we jumped into Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 through 14. And we talked about Paul giving us this framework for a breakthrough. Let's jump in again. So Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through, uh, will we, you know what, will we 10 through 14. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved this, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. Say with me, say forgetting. Forgetting, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling. Now, last week we said there were three in, in, in providing a framework. What we were saying is Apostle Paul, in writing this, in this passage of Scripture, provides us with a framework, you know, of a breakthrough. And that consists of three always. Always more, always forget, and always forward. Last week we talked a lot about always more. This week I want to focus on always forget. There are some things we need to put behind us, yes? I want to suggest a few for you here today. Sin, success, and sorrow. Three areas, three categories that, that we can look to in putting things. There's a lot of things in each of those categories that we need to put behind us. You see, you see, the things we don't put behind us, they become chains on us and around us. They, they pull us back, hold us down, keep us contained from that which God has for us. Really for that life that we hoped we could live. They, they, and we talk about breakthroughs, and I'm getting a lot, really, when I say several, in these days, in the last two weeks, people texting me, calling me, talking to me, telling me about breakthroughs they're having in their life as a result of what's happening here at Chair City Church the last few weeks. I'm talking about a 70-something-year-old woman who struggled in her emotions and her marriage and, and who's not doing well for years that I'm familiar with her, and, and telling me that her and her husband are in a new, wonderful place, uh, and, and telling Chrissy about how she massaged his back. I hope that's appropriate to say that in their 70s. Come on, how awesome is that? Breakthroughs. If they could have a breakthrough in their 70s and realize there's more in our marriage, could you do it in your 20s? Could you do it in your 30s or your 40s? Of course you can. Why? Because God has more for you. And there's some things you need to keep in the past to break through. You hearing me? Now, you know, when they train uh, elephants in a circus environment, after, from a very early age, as soon as they, that young baby elephant is done performing, they'll put it in a circle, and they'll get a stake and a chain, put the chain on the elephant's, you know, leg and pop the stake in the ground. And every time, after, after every performance, they'll go right through that routine. Performance, you know, stake chain. And over the years, they're using the same, pretty much the same type of stake and the same weight and type of chain that they wrap around the elephant's leg. Now, the elephant, of course, is growing into, into adulthood now. And at the time it reaches full adulthood, it's obvious 
to uh, any person that this massive, you know, animal could easily rip out and break the chain or pull the stake out of the ground and, and keep going and leave the circle that they've put it in, that they've contained it in. But the elephant doesn't do that because the elephant has been conditioned to think this is all I can do. This is how strong I am. This is how far I can go. This is it. Because the elephant has not left the past behind. The past way of thinking, the past way of being conditioned, the past change, the elephant is still there in the past, not realizing it would take so little to just push through and break through. The elephant is limited. Do you hear me, huh? What chains are on you this morning? What chains are holding you down or holding you back? What chain is holding you that is just waiting to be broken? But because perhaps you've been conditioned to think you're limited, that you don't see that you're limited to your past, you're, you're, you're chained to your past, and that's limiting what you can do and what you could break through today. Now, one of the chains we struggle to put behind us and we need to put behind us is sin. Now, I want you to hang in there with me. Don't go running away from me in your head. Don't put the filters on. Don't stop preparing, you know, the inner dialogue that's going to, you know, diffuse all of what I'm going to say. Hang in there with me, okay? You see, one of the things, I think it's a bit of a liberty, but I, I think it's reasonable to, to bring this to you. One of the things I, we see in the Apostle Paul, I think, is he had this deal going on, that he made a deal with God, but in fact, God never actually made the deal with him. Let me explain. See, Apostle Paul in his late 20s, he's kind of like a rock star of religion in his time, right? I, I mean, he, in his, he believed in God. He was really into religion. He was really dedicating himself to learning about these things of God. And, and, and though he was kind of selective in how he went about it, as many of his contemporaries were. And, and then, of course, then he then, in being selective, wound up living it out in a distorted way. Let me explain. What he was selective of was, it was this plethora of scriptures in the Old Testament before Jesus was born about Jesus. There were so many scriptures pointing to who the Messiah was going to be, who Jesus was going to be. But Paul discounted those, dismissed those. As a result, Paul then goes on to live out his life of religion and with God in persecuting anyone who said that they did believe in Jesus. What do I mean by that? I mean dragging men, women out of their homes, beating them in front of their children, killing them, putting them in prison for God. Right? Now, how could he do this? Well, because he had this deal going on with God. Right? But that God never made with him. Will you get me? Look, and that deal was very convenient because that deal you know, is telling, you know, is going to allow Paul to consciously, uh, you know, advance his life in a way that's going to fit him. It's going to give him popularity, position, right? Huh? And all this time, he's living out his life truly in a disobedience to God, meaning in this sinful way. He made a deal with God. God never made the deal with him. And then we see one day... And you know, I've done that. I don't know about you. I, I, I would, I would, I, that was really the, the beginning of my 
coming to faith in Christ. I mean, after having that wonderful, real, personal moment of, of realizing there's God and, 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 and Jesus and what it means to me, as time would go on, I began to make the deals, you know? Like, okay, well, I, I'm, I can do that, but I don't know about that one. And, well, let's, I'll negotiate that one. Maybe I'll do it this way instead of that way. But in the end, here's what I got. When all is said and done, I got a deal. I've kind of come to this place with God. I'm comfortable. God's in on it, right? I've made a deal with God on how I'm now going to live out my life knowing him and believing in him. I got a deal with God. God was never in on my deal. And I would vacillate from deal to deal until I finally said this Christian thing just, it's just tiring. It gives me headaches. It's really not effective. And, uh, you know, and I'm out. I'm just out. Until I hit 28 and I said, okay, this time I'm going to try and do it all in. This time I'm going to really give it everything I got in every way I know how to for six months and then we'll see what happens. That was my new deal. I had a different deal. But, at least, but it was a better deal than the other deal. And I think maybe God in his mercy was somewhat in on that deal, okay? Listen, I want you to get this this morning. Pause. Are you living out your faith in Jesus Christ in a way where you've made a deal with God, but he's not in on that deal, huh? And you see, in, in Acts chapter 9, we find out that Paul's riding on this road to Damascus, this city. He's on a horse. How Jesus reveals himself to him in a miraculous way. And Jesus reveals himself to Paul as, hey, I, I, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. The one, the one you're not worshiping. With. And, hey, I'm God. And Paul there in that moment realizes, man, the way I'm living is sinful, right? Not only do I believe in this Jesus, but I'm harming and hurting and destroying God's creatures, which even in the old, that's the old Testament, that's a sin. The deal I made with God is so far gone. I've gotten so submerged in it. I went from here to here to here to here. Now it really doesn't look anything like what somebody who believes in God would live. How did that happen? Well, one of the things that happens is Paul, when it came to deciding what he would do in his life, you know, and I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'm not going to go there yet. Let's just say Paul, when he became aware of this sin, you see it rise up in him that he writes, when he writes Colossians, he writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Wow, lurking within you, having nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity. Anything impure that you bring into your body that you do, Lust and evil desires. You can have good desires. You were made to have good desires and godly desires and wonderful desires. But there are also evil desires. Which one are you going to feed and fuel? Your God-glorifying, wonderful, life-giving desires or those evil desires that really, truly bring nothing but devastation and death? What are you going to do? Your plan with God that he's not a part of is going to feed that evil desire, meaning it's apart from God. It's evil, man. It's going to lead to destruction. Feed, feed the good and godly desires in your life. Scripture goes on, Paul writes there in Colossians, don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. They are more into the things of God than they are into the, they are more into the things of this world than they are of God. It says, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid 
of anger, of rage, of malicious behavior, of slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature, your new nature, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him, being renewed, continually renewed, breaking through. There are things you need to put behind you, and sin must be one of those things. Now, why don't you hear me out? One of the problems that Paul had when it came to this sin is that Paul did not have any apprehensiveness, no uneasiness about his sin. That's why it had gotten gradually worse and worse and worse and worse. We think we contain it, but we really don't. He was not uncomfortable with it. Paul believed in God, but was not apprehensive or uneasy or worrying about it or displeased with the sin he was living. So I want to say this, that there is weakness. Weaknesses, man, I am struggling right now in this area of my life with God. And, um, and I've just done something, thought something, carried something out, and it is, it is missing the mark, missing the target that God has for me in my relationship with him. And, and when he says this word, that's sin. You know what? That's not how I want to live. I know God has called me to something greater, and Jesus gave his life so that I can see this and turn from this, turn back to God, right? Hmm? Ask him for forgiveness. And just keep, and I want more. I want more of God and less of this sin. I am not a slave to this sin. I'm not going to let it rule my life. It's not going to be the signature of who I am before my friends and my children and before my God. I will not have it. Hmm? Yeah. That's weakness. And you might have to do that 10, 15, 20 times. Maybe in one month sometimes, but that's weakness. The other thing is where now, the other thing is kind of, changing the standing, bringing a normalcy to sin in your life. That's where you're not uneasy about the sin. You're not worried about it. You're not apprehensive to it. You've now made it a regular, common, day-to-day way of life, meaning you've made a deal with God, but he's not a part of that deal. He's not in on it, but you think he is. You've negotiated the standards of God and the principle of God to a place that works for you, and you're comfortable with it, you're okay with it. That's not where you want to be. Because when you're doing that, let me tell you what's happening. You're bringing your past into your present, and you're going to contaminate your future. I promise you, what you're doing is, instead of putting those things that came into your life, either from the harm of others, the mistakes of yourself, that were part of your past that you want to put behind, when you're doing this way right here, you're now bringing your past into your future. You're limiting your breakthrough. You're limiting the way you see life, and you're in bondage, and you're chained, and all you're going to keep seeing like that elephant is I can really only go so far I can really only do so much that's why I have to take control that's why I have to live this life out and that's why I have to make this deal with God and with everything else in my life I've got to try and just manipulate navigate control control do what I can you know to just bring it to a better place sometimes maybe putting a more admirable face on it sometimes not don't be comfortable in that sin. Take that sin and kick it behind you. Leave it behind you. Get it out of your life. You hear me? And keep trying. Weakness is one thing. Acceptance, normalcy, changing the standard is another. You hear me? 
Put the sin behind you. Look, God would never give you a deal that would give you the freedom to sin. He wouldn't do that. He loves you too much, right? God would never give you a deal where you could walk without apprehensive or uneasiness and be a slave to that sin. That's not why Jesus gave his life, so that you would, that, that you would live that way. No, he loves you. He wants, cause how, he wants you to know his love. He wants that love to just rip right through all of that you are. And that's going to hinder you from doing that. God gave you freedom. God called you to something greater. God has a breakthrough for you. He has more for you. God has more for you. And one of the things you have to do to get to that more is to put some things in the past. And one of them is to living a life when push comes to shove where you will adopt and grab and gravitate to, to embrace and nurture sin in your life. Get rid of it. Pay the price. Look, you're going to pay a price, man. Yesterday, I had to make a decision. I had a challenging week. I was a bit behind. And I'm like, you know what? I just, you man, my family, friends, they were going to this hill fest. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay home. I took it. I'm going to stay home. I just, I got a lot of work to do. I'm just, I'm really, to go to that festival and come home and know that I still have to knock out stuff. It's just pretty intense. I, I don't feel like, you know, going through that, you know? And so, you know, we, we hugged, and the kids and Christy went, and I stayed back. And after about an hour, I'm like, you know, Dave, you're going to pay a price here, man, Dave. What price do you want to pay? It's a beautiful day. Your wife's out there alone. The kids are out there, and this is what you're showing them. This is what you're teaching them. You're teaching them it's okay to put your family aside to turn around and do work. Now, there are extenuating circumstances. I don't really think extenuating means extenuating circumstances, meaning very rare and very uncommon, meaning, whoa, this is way out of my control. This has to happen. I'm like, you know, this isn't what I want to show. And, and, and sometimes, yeah, I, I don't get me wrong, you might, that might be your career and your job at this point, right? And by then, perhaps you've made another time for the, your family to have this time together. But this is our time together and our day, and my kids were looking forward to it as a family. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So I, 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 after an hour, I said, you know what? You're going to pay somewhere. Pay here. Go, to the, go and be with Christy. Go and be with the kids. You know? And, 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 and don't pay there. Pay over here. And so I did. I went out. And it, I had a wonderful time with my family. There was some crit meaningful, precious moments of ministry in there as well that, you know, just popped up. And then I came home, and I paid for it. <laughs> but you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad that I, I paid for it. Look, you, you, you're going to pay for it. Make the right decision. When you think you've, you've made a decision where you're going to be nurturing your way, this, you're going to pay, man. And you're thinking over here, well, if I, if, if, I, if I leave my sin in the past and I do this, I'm, I'm going to have to pay some prices. A absolutely. But you're paying the right price. And now once you do that, you're, now le you're leaving your past behind and you're moving forward to what God has. Did, I, did that make sense? You, you just got it today. You got to today believe that God is calling you to something greater. And, 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 you know, and what he has for you, like that clip, he, he has something for you. And when he's drawing these lines and he's calling us to obedience, he, he, he's doing that because he wants us to benefit. It's like with my kids. You know, I'll... Um, you know, over the years, I've drawn lines in my kids' lives, and, and I still am. But, you know, to be more clearer, when they were younger, 
uh, I would turn around and uh, let's say, okay, they need to be to bed at 7.30. That's the line. And so what would happen when 7.30 would come? Dad, five more minutes. Daddy, five more minutes. Daddy, five more. They would keep pushing the line, right? They keep trying to push past the line. And, and I would, you know, I would often say, no, no, why? Why do I want to get them to sleep at 7.30? Because I loved them, and I knew that if they didn't get enough sleep, that the next day, they would be, as a, as a child, it would be very, they kind of like would break down over simple things. It'd be hard for them to regulate their emotion. They wouldn't be in the right attitude, you know, to try to take advantage of things, you know. They might wind up losing some of their freedom because of that attitude, you know. I love them. I care for them passionately. I was drawing lines to, to protect them and to put them in a place where they would most benefit, yeah? Where they'd actually have fun and have more freedom rather than be limited. We have a way with trying to push past that line with God, with, with, cross, with moving the line, you know, making the deal that God's not a part of, right? And we think it's okay. We've moved past the line, we've made the deal, and everything's okay, huh? And when we've done that, we've taken the past with us. We've not left it behind, huh? And when we've done that, we're actually just chaining ourselves to our past. We're chaining ourselves to the way we're doing things that have been conditioned from things that probably weren't right. Meaning things that happened to us conditioned us in our past. And now when we're turning around and moving past the line and sinning against God and not putting it behind us, we're carrying it with us. Do you hear me? It's like that elephant, and we're conditioned to think this is all we could do. Versus, you know what? I will give my life for Jesus Christ. I will die for him. I will die by the grace of God, and I will know Christ and his suffering. Paul says to know his suffering, to know the power of his resurrection. Well, he's not just saying to know Jesus in heaven. He's saying the power. I want to know the power of the resurrection, Paul is saying. Because the scripture says this. Paul says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Paul said, I want to know that power. Right? I want to know that power in my life. So I'll risk everything. I'll do anything. I'll suffer anything. I'll pay any price that has to be paid because I know there's more. And I know there's more through that power, that Holy Spirit, that Holy Ghost that lives in me, there's more. Right? That's one way to live. Versus, you know what? Yeah, that's okay. That's cool, but I got to deal with God. And, And that deal, it's awesome. I get all that, and I get this other way of living in my relationships, in my finances, in, 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 in my work, this other way of living where I can have that and I can also kind of move past the line, right? What you're doing is you really, that's, God is not in on that. You don't have that like you do. What you have is your past that is chained to you that you're bringing through that's limiting you because you don't think you're good enough to do that. You don't have enough faith in that. You don't think you deserve that. But God says, I delight you. I made you for that. I created you for that. No one on earth in this universe can do that but you. You can do this. I breathe my spirit into you so you can do this. And by the way, it's there already. My spirit lives in you. You were made for this. You weren't made for that. Leave that sin behind and come and join me in the deal that I have for you. Yes? And break through. Break through in your marriage. Break through in relationships. Break through in your career, at your job. Break through, huh? So, 
let's pass, pass. Now, so when it comes to these decisions that you have to make in your life, and there's something I want to say, I'll say it now. When you have to make decisions in your life that are attached to these areas of am I missing God's mark, am I hitting the target, what you do is you don't want to make these decisions from your gut. You want to make it from God's word, right? You'll never make a bad deal with God when you're leaning on his word. You won't do it, right? Don't make that deal with God, you know, from your gut apart from his word. Don't do that. It's a bad deal, man. And it's going to be bringing your past into your future, huh? So press on, trust in Jesus. Forget the past and the way you lived and what went on and press on. Breakthrough. All right, the next thing we want to forget is success. So I'll say it again, success. See, Paul had a lot of success. I mean, a lot. He, when, when, he write, when he comes to Christ, when he gets knocked off the horse and he, Jesus revealed himself to Paul, Paul's in his late 20s. Now he's writing the book of Philippians. The words I read here, he's now in his like mid to late 50s. That's about 30 years. And over those 30 years, wow, did God work through him. I mean, the guy spread the gospel throughout the world more than any other known person at that time. He, he goes on to write letters that, that have been read by hundreds of millions of people. And he builds the early church throughout the world more significantly and like no one else does. There's a lot of success and what's interesting is Paul's not looking back on that. He says, no, 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 no. I'm forgetting. I'm looking past. I'm putting behind me all things. Wow. This one thing, looking. I'm not. I, my, not, not only the bad stuff and the negative stuff, but even my success. Why? Because there's more. I believe God has more for me. Yeah, I know. I, I really do. Huh? I'm not just going to sit here on my success, Right? So how does this apply? Well, you know, so you grow up in church or you're around church and you come up and, you know, and you see a lot of your friends that went to youth group, they fell away. They didn't make it, but you still made it. And then you got married and, you, and, and, and your marriage stayed together and you're in the faith. And so now you're like in this 5% to 10% place, right? Because you got it together. You could do this. You were so successful. And then you walk into church, you know, you know, you know, you know, but you feel that way, like, okay, and when you talk, you know, like, yes, yeah, so you see so-and-so and their kid didn't make it, fell away, but, but you did, because, you know, you, you just got it, you got it, and you're sitting back on your past success, you know, and you're sitting there, meanwhile, you're going home, and your marriage isn't really what you want it to be, I mean, like, thriving, I mean, like, I am where my wife right now, where, like, at times, they could arrest me, because I'm just so affectionate to her in public, right, they could, like, cite me with a citation, Your relationship with your kids. What, what happened? You're, you're settling in on success that existed in a different time in your past, right? So, yeah, this was good. All this was good. You honored God. You, you trusted in God. You made more godly decisions. You didn't. When you made mistakes, you repented and, and you stayed and you ran and you got to that place and, and then you're married and it's all together and that's cool and you're keeping it together. But let me tell you, there's more. There's more. Why? Because God is a God of more. And you need to break through. Because last I knew, and I told Chrissy, I said, man, if I was all that I am now, if I was like that 10 years ago, I'd be great. But, I'm, but right now, is it 10 years ago, and there's that many more challenges, and God is calling us to that much more, so I need to be better. 
<laughs> really? There's more. I just know there's more. There's more of me. There's more for there's more. I'm not going to sit back on that. It's not good for my children. It's not good for my wife. There's more for you. Meaning, don't base who you are in God on past success. Don't wallow and focus on past success because you're living in the past while God is calling you to more in the future. He's calling you to a breakthrough. Does that, you get, I want you to get that. Really, one of the great, I think if you will, pains, not pains, one of the great unfortunate realities in church is that there are a lot of believers that have seen God move in their life in some incredibly wonderful ways when they get to a certain point and, and they plateau there. They, they, they're kind of good now. You know, they, 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 uh, they, they got it. Meaning, you know, now it's like, okay, I got this. I've got it together. I'm good. You know, I'm where I wanted to be. And, and I'm certainly now much, much doing better than everybody else over here. I'm good. You're sitting on past success. And God is calling you to something so much greater than that. I'm telling you. You know, he really, really is. It's like that, uh, that one, that illustration one time about, you know, the guy gets up and uh, he's sitting there next to a, a little older woman, an elderly woman in church, and they call him up to the front and he gets up and he just starts talking about how he was broke and homeless and had nothing and he was in church. He came to a church service and he heard the guy speak and he, God touched him and moved him and, and he looked and, and all he had was $10 to his name. It's all he had, nothing. He didn't, he didn't even have a place to stay that night and when they took the offering, he took the $10. He's like, you know what, God? I want you to have all of me and here and he gave the $10 in the offering plate and he said, and that, that, that moment was when I decided I would trust God with all that I was. I just needed to do that. He goes, you know what? Here I am now. He said, 15 years later, he said, I'm a multimillionaire. You know, I have this property. I've got this business. People applauded. He said, I've, you know, I've got hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he came and he sat back down and the, and the little elderly lady poked him and said, hey, I dare you to do it again. <laughs> I dare you to do it again, man, right? <laughs> yeah. little, some truth, some, but the point is, do it again, man. Do it again. What do you think? That the God you did it for first has changed? He has not. He's got a greater breakthrough for you. You broke through then. Imagine what he's going to do now. Right? Imagine what he could do for you. One of the unfortunate things in the church is people who've experienced God, he's met them, he's provided for them, he's seen them, and now they're trying to keep it together in their way. What they're doing is they're saying, okay, I'm going to take my past ways of doing it and I'm going to bring it into the past. You know, that's what they're doing. Like, okay, wow. And instead of saying, wow, God was merciful. God was phenomenally gracious. God was so forgiving. Look how all this came. It wasn't me. It was God. And look what he did. You know what? I want more of God. I want more breakthrough. I'm not resting on that. I'm pushing forward to know God in a great way. Yes? Same way in church. I'm talking about church now. Church is the people. And what happens is in, when this is happening, church is plateaued. Like, wow, we got a building, and, we do, and in that, you know, in order to do something wonderful like what you see happen here, which happens at other, has happened at other times in other churches, you know, pretty much a lot of people were at their prime, placed with God, relationship, closeness, intimacy, sacrificing, serving, and look what we did. 
And now we got it. We're good, right? We got it together. Look at us. You know, pastor's like, yeah, I mean, he's on top of the world. I mean, he's a guy who headed this up, and he's feeling good, and she's feeling good about this, you know, taking it in. The people, you know, sitting there, wow, that was hard work, that was sacrifice, but now we got here. All that success, and they sit on that success, and they stay with that success, and it's past success, and further in the past, and further in the past, and they just make it their present. And then they get used to, it feels so good that they nurture it, and they protect it it and they guard it and that becomes literally what they worship that moment rather than the God who's called them and empowered them to do more you hear me so we cannot we cannot as Cheer City Church sit in our past success we will not sit in our past success there is too much to do out there there are too many people who need Jesus Christ our mission I told Chrissy we went to Portland Maine and I sat there and we're talking to pastor and I stopped and I looked at her I said you know what my problem is I'm, I'm talking so much about numbers, you know, three services, this, that, numbers, parking lot, this, that, you know, 660 on each. I said, you know, I'm not talking as much and passionately and personally about people coming to know Jesus. That's why we started this, so that people who are close to you, right, but far from God, would come to know Jesus Christ. I'm like, that's what I want. I want somebody you know to come to know Jesus Christ. I mean that. I really do. And I want you in on that. And that's where we're going next. We're going to be a healthy church, a relational church, but you are going to see somebody you know come to know Jesus Christ. There are people hurting out there. We cannot sit back and say, we're at Cheer City Church, and we had 660 on Easter. That's awesome. I, believe me, I went home that night, I looked at Christy, I'm like, is this happening? I think, I mean, and it's okay to be thankful and awe. I think back to what I came from, and I'm like, in awe of God. But in awe, not to sit back on past success, to say there's more. People are hurting. I'm laying there Friday night, midnight, and, you know, I happen to be working through something, you know, with a person, and, and actually a couple of things on the board. So I just put the phone, you know, by my head on the bed, and I hear the buzz, so, you know, I flip it over, kind of, and there's an email. And I just have it, you know, I read something quick, and I'm like, let me open that up. I think I should read it. And, and it's, a, it's a dear woman. She's a grandmother. She comes here. She came, started coming about six months ago. She would go to church every now and then. Her husband wasn't going to church, had issues with God in church, wouldn't come. They came in six, seven months ago. They haven't stopped. They're a part of who we are here. And I open it up, and I read it. And she's telling me, Pastor, my grandson, my oldest grandson, he's dead. He overdosed. He's 27 years old. I'm in so much pain. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know why. I, there's rage, there's sorrow, there's pain. I just, I don't know what to do, Pastor. Please, I don't know why. He's, he's my grandson. He's dead. There are people out there that need to know Jesus Christ, that need to have breakthroughs. Some of you have had those breakthroughs. Some of you were doing drugs, were alcoholics. Some of you were mired in rage and destructive behavior, and you're here now and you know Jesus. Don't rest on that past success, right? Join me, let's press on, and let's see those people who are far from God in here worshiping Jesus, yes? If not us, then who? If not now, then when? Come on. If not us, all that we have, then who? God has so called us to do this. It's not about what we've done. It's about what we're going to do, yes? You and I together, it's about what we're going to do. All right, so I'm just going to jump through here. 
I mean, even and Paul believes in, 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 see, Paul believes that as he steps out, there's more breakthroughs coming. See, when we look to step out, right? And I'm going to mind, when, we look, when we're living out from our, our sin from the past, and we don't put it in the past, when we're living out from our success, we, what happens is we're so limited in what God can do that we're really not believing in that what we're going to do, something's going to come from it. We, really, we, we struggle. We hope. Well, I don't know if it's our hope. We kind of wish, more wishy than hope. And, and here's Paul, and, and he's in chains when he's writing these words. He's in chains, man. He's chained to a Roman soldier under house arrest, and he says this. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here under house arrest, chained to a Roman soldier, has helped spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of the gospel, right? And he's saying, hey, this is good, meaning he knows that good is going to come of this. He knows there's more for God. He knows breakthrough is going to happen. Do you hear me? Because he knows I've been obedient to God. I've trusted God. I know there's more, and more is coming. Well, he's in chains. He, uh, he knows. Could you imagine that when difficulty comes on you in particular areas of your life, but you know you're living out, not carrying the sin with you, not living in past success, but you're living out in a way that you just are trusting in God, that you know that wherever you are, what's ever happening in that situation, that more is coming, that a breakthrough is coming, how that would change how you hear. Could you imagine living your marriage that way? That in the midst of those situations where people go through different things in life, that, that you're seeing it in a way where you know, you know what? I'm honoring God with all that I have. I'm looking at the areas of my life. I'm making sure we're trusting in him in every area. And you know what? More is coming. There's a breakthrough coming in our marriage. And you know what? God will use your obedience and your love to make that breakthrough happen. Because you'll hear better. It's like Luke was saying a few weeks ago. Did, did you have a tone when you said that to me? You know, is that what you said it? You'll hear better. You'll understand more. You'll bring more passion and, and kindness into your relationship. Listen, break through today. Right, so last, I want to go through uh, to this. The, the last thing that you want to do and always forgetting that you want to put behind you is sorrow. And this is life's filled with sorrow and you need to put them behind you. Now let me parenthetically say this. And like I said in the first service, I'm proud that I know what parenthetically means. I mean, I impress myself with that. What that means is, look, pain will happen. Sorrow, suffering, it's a broken world, man. And yes, I don't tell people, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, midnight, 12 o'clock, women who grants them dead, I ministering to someone else who had a massive loss in their life and it, it comes back up, you know, great weeping. I, I'm not telling people to try and ignore the pain and the sorrow or the reality of what's happened. No. I'm not telling them to try and circumvent it, you know, kind of get around it and get, no. I, I'm not telling them to try and distract themselves from that pain and sorrow of that loss, of that, no, I'm not. Because this is, God made us that way. We love and we hurt, yes? We love and we, and we have sorrow, yes? That's life. What I'm telling them is to take all of that and manage it and put it through your faith, huh? And your trust in God. So you still hurt, you still have sorrow over that loss. Meaning, meaning you, I'm saying, when it happens, you do. When, when it happens, you have the sorrow. When it happens, you have the pain. Yes, absolutely. 
And, and, and you want to walk that through with your faith so that you're not, see, if you don't walk it through with your faith and trust in God and your faith isn't where it should be, well, then it will just simply devour you and consume you and all you'll know is that pain and all you know will is that suffering and you'll not know hope and the, your enemy will have a field day with you versus if you are living out your faith and managing it through your faith, you'll see all the other good that's going on in your life, all the other possibilities, all the other hope. You'll extract even the smallest bits and parcels, what was good in that relationship, and you'll see it in a God-glorifying way. Yes? That's what you want. Now, many of us, no, we stay here. We stay chained to that sorrow, chained to that loss, and we live out our life that way. Two years ago, I lost this one. Five years ago, like 20 years, and we're still living out from that loss of a relationship, a person, a job. We're living out from that loss of pain and suffering, and it's affecting on the decisions we make and how we love and how we won't love and how we'll protect ourselves and what we'll guard against and what we will risk and won't risk. It has a huge impact on us. Leave your sorrows in the past. It's past. Live out your life now to glorify God. Break through. God has more for you. But you are chained to your past, and because of that, because you're holding on to that sorrow, so you're limited, you're limited. And, and, and even though you've tried to fix things, you're still chained to it. This marriage didn't work out, so you know what? And that was sorrowful and painful. Now I'm going to govern myself in this marriage this way now. Okay, you're, 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 you're carrying your sorrow and your pain here. You're chained to it, and it's going to limit you in the amount of intimacy and trust and relationship you can have in this relationship, huh? Well, I lost my father, my relation, my mom, my dad was broken. I lost it, it didn't happen. I lost my dad. Okay, I'm chained to it, and now how I'm acting and behaving with my children and the way I parent is from that. It's not what you, and you think it's good because it's the opposite of that. You're chained to that, and God has more for you, and you're relying on you chained to that, and you're bringing your past and your present and truly relying and trusting in God and what he can do through you, the supernatural, the above what you ever imagined or can measure. Do you hear me? Leave those sorrows in the past. I didn't say memories of those people, uh, and maybe if there are certain circumstances or situations, yes. Trust in God. Look, there's brokenness, there's wrongdoing, there's divorce, there's disease, there's death. No matter who we are, this pain, don't keep nursing those wounds. Don't keep those wounds open. Heal, heal. And one of the best ways you could heal is just leave it in the past and move forward. And just fill your life with God. That's what I do. I just want, I just want to break through and I want more of God. Because God made me for this. And the more you have of God, you're just going to have, you only have so much brain, you only have so much capacity in your brain, man. You only have so much emotional capacity. I know because I run out of it from time to time. Mentally and emotionally. There's only so much. And if you would fill it with the presence of God and the anticipation of God doing more in your life and breaking through, you just don't have the time and the emotional mental capacity for this stuff. Are you getting me? Press on. All right, let's close this out. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says... Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Come on.
<laughs> Let us strip off every weight that slows us down and the sin that entangles us. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of the deal you made with God. Get rid of the burden of the sorrow of the past that's weighing you down. Get rid of it. Put it back there and run with endurance the race that God has called you to. God is calling you to run the race where he's going to have you break through, overcome, get over, keep going to victory. Do that. That's the freedom. That's the breakthrough that you'll have. Some of you started a breakthrough and you're, gonna, and you're starting it and those chains are going to come up and ensnare you and pull you back. Some of you want to serve God in a wonderful way and you're stepping it out and you're doing it in a way that it's more t- attached to your past. You need to prove yourself to have a position and a place. Put it back there, man. Be free of all of that. God has so much more for you. Know this. Hear this from your pastor. There is more. Yes, to God be the glory.